0: You're listening to episode 72 with Steven Sanders, director and head trainer at the Environmental Training Center at Morrisville State College. This episode is brought to you by Mastermeter.
1: Hey everybody, this is Travis Loop, Communications Director for the Water Environment Federation. This is a podcast that is all about water in communication, branding and storytelling, and the things that we can all be doing better. It's water in real life with my good friends and podcasting cohorts in crime, the H2 Duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley.
0: If there's one thing I can be certain of when it comes to you, it's that you love water. And if you're a water utility looking to manage your water you love, then you'll want to talk to our friends over at MasterMeter. They understand that you can't manage what you don't measure, and smart water management begins with accurate measurement. Account for every drop produced and delivered because the utility's progression towards smart cities and IoT begins here. We're trying to be the game changers of communication and our partner, MasterMeter, is here to deliver game-changing results for you across finance, customer service, and utility operations. They offer an array of products to meet your utility's needs. To determine which smart water metering solution is right for you, visit mastermeter.com.
1: You know, if you just want to collect a check, go work at Home Depot, go do something Ooh. else. And a professional with somebody is just not collecting a check, he's he's somebody that's involved. Yeah. And, and, and I think you have to be, as an operator, be involved. Because if your day-to-day life is just a plant you might not last long
0: so this is a great chat i got to have with Steven sanders at weftech 2019 you know we get to talk about workforce how to better engage with operators but we also got to dive into some diversity and inclusion discussion uh, not only is stephen on the newly appointed wef diversity and inclusion task force but he also took up my recommendation recommendation to read this book called dream teams by shane snow And I cannot recommend this book any more highly. If you work with human beings in any capacity, you should read this book. So we touch on a lot during our conversation, you know, like what are some of the biggest blind spots that we face in this industry? We also talk about why it's so incredibly important to make sure that operators are getting brought to the table and how absolutely important it is that leaders are telling their stories about times when they felt excluded because this is what can help to open up the gates for the rest of us to tell our own stories. And our conversation about dream teams really opened up a whole Pandora's box of conversations. Everything from the amygdala, AKA our lizard brains, Wu-Tang, the Daimler Chrysler merger, and much more as related to the water industry. Of course, um, you know, we talk about how we have to manage diversity. It can't be just this free for all. And we have to get a little comfortable or maybe a lot comfortable with being uncomfortable. Our industry, water, and the people we serve are worth it. And these issues can be uncomfortable to talk about, but it's worth it and we need to do it. So... Uh, Steven also sent me, uh, I think, one of the best bios I've ever gotten. (laughs) He's a certified water and wastewater operator living in central New York. He has nearly 19 years of experience in the industry. During that time, he has worked at several drinking water and wastewater facilities throughout New York. He has worked for public, private, and nonprofit entities. Currently, he is the director and head trainer for the Environmental Training Center at Morrisville State College, where he does pre-certification operator training and he's been teaching at the ETC for the last nine years. He serves on the State Operator Certification Governance Council and on WEF's recently formed Diversity, Inclusion, and Equity Task Force. (laughs) He also holds three national breakdancing championships. He was the 1997 Air Guitar Champion of Chattahoochee. He's a hip-hop historian, 2011 car karaoke runner-up. He also DJs on the side under the alias DJ Coco Butter. Steven is an avid animal lover who has taught Cesar Milan everything he knows, and he's also served as a personal life coach to Oprah, Barack Obama, and Dr. Phil. So I'll let you determine which of those things is true and untrue. So, as you can tell, Steven is a character. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun during our convo, So, without further ado, let's get to the show. All right. So, I. This, I'm here at WebTech 2019, and one of the things that I love about things about WebTech is I get to meet all of our Twitter fans and Twitter friends, and I call them water fam, uh, in real life. And so I got to meet one of them in real life. Steven Sanders is here with us today, so stoked that you took some time out of your day to talk to us. And I am talking in... We and R, because even though Arian's not here, it's really weird for me <laughs> to be doing this uh, solo. So you're going to have to, like, bear with me in the awkwardness of doing a duo show with an Uno, Uno <laughs> host. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, thanks for coming out and chatting with us.
1: And thank you for having me.
0: So, yeah. Um, Well, before I get into that, okay, so one of the questions that we ask every single person that we we interview is whether you believe that water chose you or you chose water. So what's your your take on that in terms of your career?
1: In terms of my career, I would have to say that water chose me. Um, It wasn't something that I set out to do, Mm -hmm. but just over the course of time and things that happened, I ended up in that lane. Um, and I'm happy I'm in that lane. Uh, I can't imagine doing anything else. Um, so I would have to say yeah, water. I would feel like water chose me. This was not like something that I, a high school counselor told me about, <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: which we'll talk about later. Why maybe that's a problem. So, <laughs> um, so one of the things that I really, I really dug about you cause I'll talk about how we kind of got connected in the first place, not just on Twitter. Well, You know arian and i worked in water utilities for 10 years until we went rogue and started rogue water and um one of our absolute favorite things and one of the things that we missed most was just the opportunity that we had to to work with and to hang out with and to be friends with like all our operators in our Mm -hmm. world um they were and continue to be like some of our like amazing friends and so not having them around every day was kind of hard and so we were like definitely kindred spirits because you know you uh, we were friends on twitter but then you reached out and was like hey duo i want to talk more about like how to get operators more involved so we were like hell yeah get this guy on zoom <laughs> and let's talk about how we can do this because You know, diversity, inclusiveness, all of these kinds of things are are like hot topics right now. Um, A lot of talk is happening, even at Weftech, the opening general session was all about that. But, you know, we kind of framed it in a different way because sometimes it's not it's not always just about the things that we immediately think to like race and gender and things like that, but like work titles and Mm -hmm. so operators. And so the whole point of you reaching out was like, how do we get our operators more involved? And so what are kind of the struggles? Well, first of all, let me stop. And, you know, in your bio, I kind of explain what you do, but like on a day to day, like what is your connection to those operators where you kind of have your, your finger on that pulse of, what they're thinking feeling going through
1: so um i do operator training and i probably see five to six hundred operators a year wow so um a lot of times when they first come in i ask them the same question how did you find this and for most people this is their third fourth fifth sixth career and Hmm. It's like we 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 got to change that. Yeah. How do you create a pipeline where no someone goes? You know what? I this is an opportunity for me right out of school, right from the jump. And I hear a lot of the guys say, "Man, I wish I would have found this when I was younger."
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and even in I I can look in across the room and I'm like, even the people that's here that are that are, um, training to be an operator, they're not going to be around in ten years. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like, wow, I don't see the young faces. Yeah. You know.
0: Because that's one of, I think, the biggest areas when you look at the silver tsunami, the workforce challenges that we have. I mean, the biggest area I feel like we're going to have the gaps are are in the operators. And, and those aren't, like you said, there seems to be a gap in how we're reaching them in terms of bringing them in. So one of the things that I do remember from working in the city is that when we would try to get them involved, sometimes they would be like, oh, well, you know... They don't want to do that they just want to like come to work and go home and you know they don't want to be involved in all that like but i feel like that's not really fair for someone like you ask them you know so like Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean seeing 500 600 like do you get that sense or do you think that they're like they want to have a voice at the table
1: well i preach it yeah (laughs) so i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and i'm like you know if you just want to collect a check Go work at Home Depot. Go do something Ooh. else. Ooh, <laughs> get out of here. But I want you, uh, and, and, and it's funny, I'll put up a picture of Norton. I'll say, is Norton, was he a character was he a professional? He mm-hmm. was a character. Yeah. All right? We don't need any more characters. We need professionals. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a professional is somebody that's just not collecting a check. He's he's somebody that's involved. Yeah. And, and, and I think you have to be, as an operator, be involved because if your day-to-day life is just a plant, you might not last long. Yeah. So you need to be involved in the bigger picture and bigger things. And so I, I always encourage my students to uh, be a part of something bigger than your plant. Yeah. So,
0: so in terms of, because we all kind of have our own, our own language, our own lens, our, our own set of like values that we kind of see things through. So what do you think, just from what you've seen, is the best way that we can message to kind of make them see the value in, in being invested in being a professional?
1: Oh, the best thing that we can do. Um, I think a lot of it is just education and education on their part, but also education on whoever's running a town, village, city, municipality, that they actually value them as someone who has a voice. Mm. And I think the hard part of that is, is that um, there's a lot of stereotypes. Yeah, do we got to yeah. overcome and 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 sometimes we got to look in the mirror too and say, well, why why do they have those stereotypes about municipal workers? Well, chances are some stuff probably happened in the past yep. and it gave them that stereotype. So it's like we got to overcome that. We got to be more professional, and we also have to educate those leaders that we have professionals now. Yeah, you know, so they can actually reach out and want to use them more. You know.
0: Yeah, I got to. Um so PNCWA, which is a WEF MA in the Pacific Northwest, they have started their own inflow group within their their MA, um, like obviously inspired by WEF's larger one. I got the opportunity to see them at their annual conference and get them pumped up about it and things like that. But, um, but college is kind of too late sometimes if we're talking about getting people involved. So... Like, what do you see as kind of a solution to that? Like, when do we need to be talking to folks about, from an operator standpoint?
1: Probably middle school. Wow. Middle school to high school. Okay. And the one thing I do like about operations is that uh, it doesn't doesn't matter what your educational background is. Yeah. I have those who have GEDs to come through. I have those with associate's degrees, bachelor's, master's degrees coming through, and they're going to be operators. Yeah. Um, but we got to start sooner. And and it's... and. Like I say, I just I hate the idea of when we're looking for operators that we're not training operators. I mentioned it before. A lot of, again, municipalities or whatever, just put out a a, a job application for an operator, for a licensed certified operator. Yeah. And it's like, well, that person's not unemployed sitting on the couch. Even if you do get him, you have to pay him more. But now we just move the whole to another spot. Yeah. So it's like, all right, we have to create a pipeline, and I think that starts younger. And I think we need to do programs. Uh, we don't market ourselves very well. No. You know, that's we just. I have a job. I know. <laughs> 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 but even as operators, we don't market ourselves yeah. very well. And you know, it used to be that you know you were someone's relative or something like that, and that's how you ended up at the plant. Yeah. You know, but we yeah, just got a lot of that it happened It's yeah. crazy.
0: <laughs> so many like multi-family, multi-generational situations at at treatment plants it's crazy um so you were asked to be on the diversity and inclusion task force with WEF, correct yes okay um and so I, w- I would say that yes we have like a long way to go and we got work to do but um i i'm happy that at least it's being addressed and that there's conversations that are happening so um I have to give a shout out to one of my one of my like current favorite movies. It's called Blind Spotting. I told you to watch it. Yep. It's uh it was written by David Diggs who played Lafayette in Hamilton, the original cast and his best friend. Um and it's called Blind Spotting. And really what a blind spot is is like if you remember those like um what is it from like psychology those pictures where the blob yeah it's like
1: multiple things in there based upon your perspective yeah like what you some see
0: some people see <laughs> the faces some people mm-hmm. see the vases and kind of like your lens of your history and what you've been through and your experiences kind of determine what it is that you see Um and it's hard to see something else so in terms of diversity and inclusion what do you think is like the biggest blind spot for our industry right now
1: I think that people don't know i think we have to look at the reasons why Mm. um and not so much from a historical reason why don't we have this why don't we have diversity and inclusion Mm -hmm. but why are we trying to accomplish it yeah all right um it's not just a box that we need to check off Mm -hmm. and it's yes we can reach another target audience to bring people into our industry because we're losing everybody yeah but i also think too on on a more human level um do we value people yeah. Do we value different types of people? And, and do we value what diversity can actually bring to the table? Yeah. You know, and then manage it appropriately. Yeah. Because if you just, all right, that's great, let's bring all these different people in there, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. Yeah. Um, but do we value people? Do we value the different perspectives? Do we value what they bring to the table? And can we encourage that versus checking off a box and why do we have this valuing people, the differences in people?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm 100% believe that we need to kind of rehumanize the industry. And, you know, I'm always kind of thinking, well, I'm not always, but I think a lot about that in terms of outwardly. And, you know, we're, we're not serving this, these connections or numbers, you know, we're serving real life human beings yeah. who are, um, have concerns that are outside of our bubble of Water and how we eat, breathe, and live that, but it's also internally, too. And that was one of, like, kind of the biggest, I feel like, mistakes that Arianne and I made is that we were having this 100-year celebration for one of the utilities that I worked with. It was 100 years of water utilities in, in the city. And we made this big to-do about it with, like, the mindset of we're showcasing our people, we're showcasing our operators and all our folks, our field personnel, all these people who are working every single day to provide, you know, this service and having events and inviting them. And we were having like this low turnout of Mm -hmm. our people who we were supposed to be doing this for. So finally we asked and they were like, Oh, well we just thought that this was like something else that we had to do like Mm -hmm. after work. And because we were, um, Putting the We were allowing someone else to kind of sp- tell that story for us when we should have been the ones that were in front of them and saying, this is what we're doing because of what you do matters and because we value you and you're an asset to the community. And so we realized that it, it really does start internally. yeah. And like we really do need to be making sure that our people, especially our operators who don't always get invited to the table and our field personnel that don't always get oper- um, invited to the table, understand these broad mission statements that mm-hmm. you know we up in the carpeted area of the facilities
1: <laughs> And the other thing i can throw with that too is you mentioned how we do the story the storytelling yeah right um the other aspect that i think we have to reach out to is it's nice to tell our stories uh, uh, the minorities the operators the whatever and we can encourage one another mm-hmm. but also too, like like uh, what the opening speaker did today, where he talked about when he was out of place. Yeah, so you brought that up. The leaders' stories of when they seen the value of success, because they can influence other leaders. Mm-hmm. Those are basically the gatekeepers to the rest of us down here. You know, let us in. Yeah. But they have to tell their stories of of us. Of yeah. the, of, uh, once they once they value us. And then you see them pull people in and you you see these people go up through the ranks, those guys up there need to tell their stories and influence the other guys so they can start doing it too. Yeah. Versus just us down here having a conversation.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we need to find ways of encouraging people to step outside of their step outside of their comfort zone and put themselves in situations where they know that they're gonna feel
1: mm-hmm. the way
0: that he did. Uh where he felt like Like you stuck out because until you feel that feeling, you don't understand what that's like. And so until you understand what that's like, how are you going to have a conversation about how you're going to do something to make it better? Yeah. Um, So I don't know. Like, what are some other ways that you think that we can encourage that whole, like in a mile in someone else's shoes? Like, how do you make that? How do you create empathy on that level? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's uh, that's that's a tough sell. And I I, I think one of the things, again, is people have to maybe through, I mean, the statistical numbers and analytics and everything else that talks about the value of diversity. Yeah. And not just a box, but we sharpen each other. Um, That value has to be communicated some kind of way. That is not just checking off boxes. But there's a value that's going to make my team better. If I see this person over here and I bring them in, it's going to make our company better, our utility better. They have to see the value. Yeah. I don't know how that happens. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's hard. Um, it's It takes work. It's not just going to be something that you have to check yourself a lot and like question, okay, why am I making this decision? I mean, is it because I see it this way or that way? Um, that was one of the reasons I really liked that book, Dream Teams by Shane Snow. And so I was excited. I know that when I initially pitched it, you were like, eh and I was like, Uh yeah, but they talk about Wu Tang. You're like, all right
1: <laughs> Wu Tang was not the only <laughs> inspiration for taking a look at it.
0: I'm just kidding. It- um yeah. But I was I was stoked when you were when you were down to read it because I I really Loved it because, to your point, he talks a lot about how absolutely important it is to have diverse teams if you want to be successful as an organization. Because otherwise, you know, you're creating this echo chamber. Yep. Or just like kind of hearing yourself. So, um, what's one of the things that kind of really struck you if you remember from the book? I know you'd said like ab- oh, the, about the amygdala. You you brought yeah. up that because I called you out on Twitter. So do you remember like what that? Um, <laughs> which part? Because I'm that- a huge fan of lizard brain.
1: Yeah. So that part of our brain that uh, immediately puts up the red flag when we see somebody that's not part of our group. Yeah. And so that's the big flag. It should be the big flag for all of us that it's not going to happen without conscientious thought as far yes. as diversity. It's not going to happen by accident. Yeah. You know, um, so that was just something that really struck me. It's like, no, everyone, we have to make conscientious effort. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, do we have to? And after understanding all that, it's like, yeah, we do, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we absolutely do. It has to be a conscientious effort. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> Did you know that before you read that, that like, we're actually wired. hardwired yeah. to <laughs> be, sus- you know, to s- suspect others that are different than you as like a threat, like not even like a, I don't know, not even like a tame thing, but he uses the word as, as, as big as threat. Like, yeah. You yeah. go into f- like fight, flies fight, well, flight, freeze, faint.
1: What I also liked about the book too is a lot of stuff that we kind of already thought, but he backs it up with like facts and yeah. the science, and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that was. Uh, I like that he even um, he and Malcolm Gladwell, who I'm also a huge fan of, they write kind of similar. Where they have the story and they have like the best like footnotes. Mm-hmm. And um, he write it. He wrote something about. Like how we're hardwired to be xenophobic, and his um, his footer note or whatever was like that was really hard for me to type that that yeah. as human beings we' are hardwired to be this way and because I mean that's that's not like a view that you want to <laughs> no <laughs> that doesn't sit well. It's you hard know? To, It's
1: hard to look at yourself and, and and put that on that, but it's true. it's what can you do and I, and, and that leads into the classic example of that the whole diamond chrysler thing Mm -hmm. right and how this company was supposed to be you had two separate car companies merging them together should have created the superpower car company and it fell apart yep right um because you had the germans and the americans and probably they're (laughs) (laughs) right they seen each other as a threat and the reason why it didn't work is because they stopped talking to each other um and this whole thing just fell apart. Yeah. You know? And the converse was that, that he used in the book was Wu Tang. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and how, uh, if you want to have the benefits of diversity, you have to be able to manage that cognitive friction. That cognitive friction was good, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to manage it. Yeah. Right? And I like the example, too, he talked about with the Wright brothers, where they would argue yes. each side you know they would they would sit there and just argue this this point and after a while they would stop and flip yep and then yes. the other person would argue the, the the opposite side so it's like you're getting the benefit of the cognitive friction but it doesn't go to the point where it's like it becomes personal mm-hmm. you know um it, it was it was a good read I good mean, recommendation
0: I think, I think we've been robbed of our ability to kind of have any sort of discourse anymore it it's like if if you disagree with me, that in some way means that you don't like me as a person or something. But Mm -hmm. like to your point about the Wright brothers, um, that wasn't the first time I've heard that story of how they used to fight. Like I've read other stories where they said, I mean, people that worked in the office would be like, are they going to like physically hurt each other? I mean, because they (laughs) would be going at it, like just yelling, arguing. But I mean, not that I'm saying that like That's what all of our organizations are going to turn to (laughs) if we try to be, you know, have my more diverse thought. But I guess it's, we're at a point where I feel like we need to become more comfortable with being uncomfortable. If, if our mission is to provide clean water, whether that means the water people are drinking or the water that's being, you know, discharged back into the environment once it's been clean, like either or, Mm -hmm. like if that's really going to be our mission, then I think it's our obligation to get comfortable with being uncomfortable
1: and sometimes being uncomfortable is pushing someone else Mm, or being pushed yeah right and i I think of uh like sports teams Mm -hmm. right a lot of the great sports teams they'll tell you our practices was worse than the game yeah you know they're fighting they're going at it and by the end of the day they're still a team yeah but you know what if you did have a sports team that in their practice there was no friction yeah there was they didn't try yeah you know there's like oh let's just nope let's just be nice to each other You know, that's not practice. You're going to get destroyed. No. You know, so it's like we have to be comfortable with getting pushed and being pushed back without taking it personal. But understanding that this is what's better for what we're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah. There's a way to be um, candid or have um, candor in our the way that we communicate with one another without being, you know, jerks to one another. Without
1: stripping someone's dignity. Yeah. Right. There's a way to do it. Mm
0: Hmm. Um, I know there's a book that's been recommended to me a lot called radical candor. Um, there's another book that I really like called creativity Inc. It's by Ed Catmull, who's the guy who founded Pixar. Mm -hmm. Um, that's an amazing book all about, um, ways to bring more creativity into your organization, regardless of, you know, what, whatever your organization is doing. And like candor is a big part of that. Like just being vulnerable enough to be honest and not to be, jerk
1: well and, and it's, here's the hard part because in our society we we value things of niceness and politeness and this that and the other yeah so it's yeah yeah. how do you give someone feedback that may be positive or negative yeah without stripping their dignity and i think a lot of people just shut down they don't want to do it mm-hmm. well it's you easier know? to do that exactly it's yeah. like oh this person but but feedback should always come from the standpoint i'm trying to help the other person yeah
0: Mm. well i mean to your point like we always talk about proactive communication in terms of how the water um, industry communicates with our customers we can't only be showing up when something bad happens like i mean but same thing with with people and giving feedback it's Mm -hmm. about building that relationship building that trust so that when you do come with feedback that may not be what they wanna hear, mm-hmm. they know where you're coming from.
1: It's coming from a good place. Yeah, it's coming yeah. from a good place. It's not a personal thing. Yeah, yeah. You've already established a relationship. Yeah. That we are a team, but this is how we're gonna get better.
0: Yeah, so thank you for for making my um, call for proactivity full circle. <laughs> now, not just about that, but also um, the way that we interact with our people that we're um, overseeing. So, I wanna go back to, you brought up Wu-Tang. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna talk about them because you did you contrasted them to what happened with with chrysler and so for those of you that that don't know (laughs) wu tang was um a rap group out of new york um in like the 90s Yeah. yeah yeah so so back in the 90s and it was basically like a group of dudes that were from all different neighborhoods in some cases i mean i think some of them were in like rival gangs yeah some of them Um, were rivals yeah Uh,
1: you you name it they were into it yeah
0: (laughs) exactly and um so i forgot his name and i'm gonna have to look but uh dude brought them all together and wanted to create digs yeah Mm -hmm. wanted to create this like super like rap crew Mm -hmm. and he would bring them into the studio and these people are coming from like again all these different backgrounds and it would get like heated going back to the Wright brothers but like on a different kind of level heated and so his adjustment was making the way that they could express that like through their art and so their rap songs be were battles um and so like which is a huge part of which is a huge part of hip-hop which if you don't know you don't know anything about hip-hop like it's not what you hear on the radio when you like turn it <laughs> on like hip-hop is like a whole culture and it's it's amazing like you should look into it but like but the battle mentality is in rap it's in like break dancing where you're like you're competing against one another but instead of like through violence you're doing it through art or some expression of art mm-hmm. and so like he was able to bring these people who had like serious could have had serious beef with one another together by communicating those differences through their expression of
1: art and, and managing it, yeah, you know I mean um and, and and like unlike what happened with uh Daimler and Chrysler, I mean they argued and they fought and it was just crazy and but it brought out the best, yeah, you know you got a better product yeah and and even through the years there certain members that had fallen out and they came back together and fallen out and come back together. You get a better product, yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, versus Diamond and Chrysler where they just, they just didn't talk to each other. They were afraid. Yeah. You know, so it was just an interesting contrast between the two. That I, and it, it made me think, too, even for um, on a town, village, municipality, whatever team you're trying to put together, um, it has to be managed. What if you just brought all those people in and said, "Let it be a free for all"? Somebody yeah. would have got shot. Somebody would like like dead. Gladiator, yeah, like arena. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to manage it, you know. Yeah. And he was able to manage it. I think it's the same thing with diversity too and inclusion. It has to be managed. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to have the tough conversations. You got to pull people out, pull people in. I should say, uh, if they feel like they're not, their voice is not being heard. Yeah. Uh, but if you just bring them in, it doesn't automatically mean you're gonna get the benefits of it.
0: Yeah, and just because it's not comfortable doesn't mean that you should steer away from it. You know, like the things that are worth having aren't like nothing worth easy is worth having or whatever, however the saying goes. Like, I think it's all worth it to, you know, make ourselves a little uncomfortable. If it ain't rough, it ain't right. If it it ain't rough, it ain't right. (laughs) I think that's what, I think that's what I want to end on. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's like the best summary of that. So, um, if, I definitely recommend reading dream teams. To anyone who like works with other people, <laughs> like, but unless you're in a, a cube by yourself and you not in a cube, but like you're in a basement and you never talk to another human being ever. Like you should totally check out this book. Cause it's, it's got a lot of great things about building, building those dream teams. So I'm going to go into our lightning round. It's not really lightning. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I got you to read a book. Mm-hmm. Is there a book that you can recommend to everyone?
1: Well, I am stuck in reference material right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I am. Uh, I am. I, I started doing the other book, but you recommended that book to me too. Yeah. Um. So I am. I'm stuck on that one. I, I can tell you. You know what? Go read Refs' new uh, training manual that they just came out they with. There you go. But yeah. <laughs> but that's. I'm stuck with reference material right now.
0: Well, what about like it's any other kind of? Well, it doesn't have to be a resource, but like something that people should check out
1: i I, listen i can't speak highly enough about the book dream teams Mm. i mean that's that's it 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 just backs up so many gut feelings that that you have and why you have those gut feelings yeah for sure so that's i gotta second that recommendation
0: see i give great (laughs) endorsements y'all i gotta make a (laughs) book list um okay what's one thing you do every day that drives your productivity
1: oh my gosh uh I got a whole team of things that I need. <laughs> <laughs> I get out in the morning. I got to get out in the morning, even if it's just walking the dog. Quiet. Um, man, I got I got to have a clean desk mm. to work. Mm. Um, and, and and probably the calendar, the schedule. Yeah. Clean desk. A walk. And, and a calendar Otherwise I got so many things coming in Stuff gets missed Yeah for sure
0: <laughs> Hey, I can dig all those things Okay So we ask this question of everyone That we interview So in me and Ariane's line of work We It's you know All about behavior change And so we would have people that would say you know what's the difference if I make a change? I'm just one person. I'm not going to make any difference. And so, obviously, she and I wholeheartedly disagree with that. And we believe that, you know, one person can inspire change. And you never know what you can inspire in others, and that it can be contagious uh, in a good way, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So, what's the one call to action that's you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world?
1: Ultimately change the world? Yeah,
0: we're going big. Go big or go home. Oh man. Um, <laughs>
1: Wow, I, I would almost have to go back to uh the golden rule. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, if, if more people follow that, the world would be a completely different place. Yeah. Do want to tell us what you know, treat others the way you want to be treated.
0: I dig it. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for running up the stairs to come here <laughs> and for taking the time to be uh to be, I was about to say to be with us, to be with me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Not a
1: problem. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd newsletter. Found at theh2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends family colleagues fellow water nerds help us spread the word we hope you learned something new today got a little inspired or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal until next time remember what one of our favorite quotes says those who tell the stories rule the world